1: Verses 9 through 21. It's on page 776 of your Pew Bible. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are superior. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good.
0: Good morning. So I'm so glad to have you here this morning. So I'm Holly Hamjelt, if you don't already know me, and I lead our small group ministry here at Way Park Church. So our small groups start in September and we run through the end of May. So this first Sunday in June is often our small group celebration Sunday. And so we have a lot to praise God for what he's done through our small groups this past year. So part of it is so 98 people were engaged in our small group ministry this past year which is 87% of our average Sunday morning worship attendance which is amazing. So we're really thankful for people seeing the importance of being in community and connecting with one another. But another really cool thing that God has done is that 21 people have been got plugged into a small group this year which is a huge huge number. And so we're just excited to see new people coming into our church and getting connected in small groups, but also you guys learning and realizing that small groups are important are important and the opportunity it's an opportunity to grow together. One of our core values for our small groups is love. So we've talked about this in our last focus season. Has said the Hebrew word and it means steadfast loving kindness. So our passage in Romans 12 this morning focuses on how to live this out. But before we dive into the passage, let's see how a few people have described love. We're going to start with Dr. Seuss, right? So, you, you know when you're in love, when you can't fall asleep, because the reality is finally better than your dreams. Or Nicholas Sparks. So, he's the, he writes the sappy love stories that are really sad. He says, you are every reason, every hope, and every dream I've ever had. Um, And then also one more. So Elizabeth Gilbert has a little bit more insightful perspective. But to be fully seen by somebody, then be loved anyhow. This is a human offering that can border on miraculous. So just kind of a little fun aspects and vignettes into love. But let's start diving into our passage. So Romans 12.1 through Romans 15.13 is a household code. Which is filled with instructions on how we should live. So, Romans 15 13 is one of the primary verses that I've been praying over our small groups. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. So, all these instructions in this section are intended to build our trust and experience the power of his Spirit in our lives. Now let's go back to the beginning of that household code and look at verses one and two in Romans 12. It says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So there are a couple aspects of these verses that we need to understand for context. So in verse one, it says, offer your bodies as a living sac- sacrifice. So bodies is plural, living sacrifice is singular. So we are, our individual bodies are, u- are supposed to unite as a community. So all our lives together accomplish the will of God as worship in counter-cultural ways. So what is our motivation to unite together as a living sacrifice? God's mercy. We understand the grace that we've been given through God. We surrender in community to worship. And John Sreed explains spiritual worship that is acceptable to God has as much to do with corporate oneness as it does personal piety. So piety is how we live out our faith, spending time in scripture and in prayer. But being united with our brothers and sisters demonstrates our love for God. So now to understand this chapter, let's get some cultural context. So Paul is speaking to the community in the churches in Rome. So the Roman Emperor Claudius created an edict to expel the Jews, some or maybe all, from Rome, because they were causing a disturbance. They were only allowed to return after he died, approximately five years later. So the churches went from being Jews and Gentiles worshipping together, to predominantly Gentiles leading the church. So when the Jews returned, the Gentiles would need to make room for the Jews. But the Jews would also need to find ways to integrate into the churches that would have changed significantly in their absence. The churches were, in tense times, navigating how to be a community together. They faced more than just their ethnic differences. The Gentiles would have to move, would find ways to be considerate to the Jews returning to their cities and their churches. The Jews would need to be understanding to the Gentiles that continued to move forward in building the church in their absence. Both required God's mercy for each other. God would use their unity and their diversity to eliminate any superiority and build dependency on each other. So last week, Pastor Corey shared from Acts 1 and 2 about how a diverse church began with the Holy Spirit empowering a group of people, people who are committed to meeting together as a distinct community to share the good news and to do works of mercy. This community became the foundation of the Roman church and our church. And these communities demonstrate the love of God to the world. So our small groups is Waite Park's intentional way that we live out this calling and unite the church as a family. As smaller communities who are doing life together, we have people, we know what's happening in each other's lives and supporting one another in good times and in challenging times. We strive to be small group communities who love and grow together as we learn to live out love for God and for others. So verses 9 through 12 give us a road map on living this out in our faith communities. So the first sentence in verse 9, our passage this morning, is the main theme for the rest of the chapter. The ESV version says, Let love be genuine. So as we walk through this passage, we're going to keep circling back to this idea of genuine love to evaluate how we're doing based on what Paul is asking these Roman believers. So in Minnesota, we're generally nice people. Most of us would accurately say that we care about people. But the question becomes, do we love God and others with genuine love? Genuine love is not just nice platitudes. It's not just tolerating a person. Genuine love is wanting the good in the other at the core of our being and be willing to act on it. Robert Jewett explains love as requiring a disciplined commitment to honesty and respecting limits. So love is a choice, not just an emotion, a choice that we keep making. And I've been tested in this the last few weeks, and I had to keep going back to choosing love. I had to be honest with myself when I was falling short, and realizing that I, and we, cannot do this in our own strength. Turning to Jesus in gratitude and asking him to help me love the way that he desires that I love. Falling short again and turning back to Jesus and asking for help. So how do we, t- how do we keep the time from when we fall short and turn back to Jesus as short as possible? Well, the rest of nine through 12 helps us to explain a posture that creates a foundation to live this genuine love. These verses are actions and postures and attitudes that we choose to be committed to live out. And if we commit to living these practices, we learn to grow in our capacity to love. So the first one is clinging to goodness in hating what is evil. So the rest of verse 9 says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. God is good at his core. He hates what is evil, and our lives are meant to reflect him. So we have to embrace the values that are core to his nature. We are a living sacrifice because of what he has done and to accomplish his will. So for our lives to fulfill this purpose, we need to be in the word. The purpose of theology is to the study of God or the story of God so that his story shapes us as we live in the world to shine brightly for him. So through learning and growing and understanding the scripture in community, our minds are transformed to lead us against the current of our world. And as we do this, we grow in demonstrating God's goodness. So the next one is showing honor, being devoted to one another. So verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So in the Greco-Roman culture, invitations to a dinner party demonstrated honor. The people who were being invited would would enhance your status in the community. Likewise, attending or not attending would communicate whether you value the friendship or not. An invitation from a respected person would boost a person's reputation. Or attending a dinner party with a person from lower class could damage a person's reputation. Paul's challenge to show To show honor would be especially poignant poignant in in these churches to integrating the Jews and the Gentiles. Together, they are one living sacrifice as the church. And so the Gentiles should show honor to the Jews even if a Jew wants to take back a position that they had before the edict. Making an invitation to eat meals together shows that the church lives differently from the world around them. Like it says in verse 2, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul is asking them to respond and show honor in ways that are countercultural. So next is serving the Lord. So verse 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So when we fully grasp God's mercy that you and I have been given, we realize how often we fall short. We know that our need for God's grace and serving is a natural response that flows from the grace that we've received. And if we embody, when we embody this posture of knowing God, it is a privilege to serve in in what God is doing. And it's one that we cannot earn. So how we serve matters. Our service should not be out of dutiful obedience all the time. Our, our service should also not be out for emotional kickbacks when we're doing something good. If this is our primary motivation, it reels our, reveals our heart is not serving out of spiritual fervor. The Greek word zeo, which is translated fervor, it means boiling. So the warning here is to control what we're turning up to a boil. Is it anger or is it love? Our service needs to be grounded in love of God boiling or flowing out of us. We feel good at times when seeing seeing some impact by how we've served the Lord, but the good feeling that we're getting should not be our primary motivation. We should also serve even when it doesn't feel good, and our service is best grounded in a heart of gratitude for all that God has done. So the last one is constant prayer. So verse 12 says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. So I've heard plenty of people over the years say constant prayer is not meant literally. But Paul states the same message in 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 19. It says, rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. He also sets the example of being in constant prayer in Colossians 1.9. It says, We have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So the question is not, should we be in constant prayer? Or can we be in constant prayer? It should be, how do we do it? And so God promises that he is with us in the, at the end of the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 20, it says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he is already with us. And prayer is just talking to God throughout the day. So if this is true, then we can be in constant prayer. So do any of you talk to yourselves? I have a friend who often talks to himself. Sometimes I would answer him because I thought he was talking to me and... He clarified, and he was actually not talking to me. But, so I told him, when, when you're talking to me, just, just say my name. But it, So instead of just talking to yourself if, if you do that, direct the, direct the conversation to God. Pray to Him. So that when a situation arises that tests our patience, we can ask God for wisdom and patience in that moment. Taking time to pause in that situation allows us to operate out of our values, not our emotions. Serving would be a similar situation when the opportunity presents itself to serve. Before immediately saying your typical automatic answer, which might be yes or it might be no, take a moment or even a day to pray about it. Invite God into that decision. That doesn't mean you'll always get the answer right but it helps us to learn our limits, that we have time to assess if our motive is to increase our spiritual fervor or or to, or, boil, or to boil it through service. Instant messaging is a common place today. When I went into the corporate office, I would often start a chat conversation with my backup. We would, have, we would send different information and questions back and forth throughout the day. This is another way to think about having a constant conversation with God. When we open the the conversation with him, by spending time with him, some might already be doing a daily devotional. So start by talking to him throughout the day after your devotional. For others, life might feel really packed and full, but there are a couple of resources that could help just to open up that conversation with him each day. So the first is listening to scripture. There are several of us who are going through Bible in a Year with Bible Recap. Listening to scripture about 15 minutes each day, and they have a podcast that's about seven minutes that explains the passage each day. So each morning you could listen to it while you're getting ready. Another option is the Lectio 365 app. It leads you in a morning devotional based on a scripture passage and prayer. You can read the devotional or you can listen to it. And they also have a family's version where the kids are reading the devotional. They also have an evening prayer that walks through the prayer of examine, which is an area that some of you have mentioned was an area of growth following our last focus season. So these are four practices that ground us in who we are as God's people. They help us to choose good and reject evil at the start of the day continuing to carry that posture into the rest of the day and being committed to praying and talking to God throughout the day. For this committed discipline flows out of genuine love for God and for others, and when this community does this together, we become distinct from those of the world around us. The rest of the passage is packed with helpful instructions on how to live out love in different ways. I've often come to lists like this in scripture, looking at it sentence by sentence, trying to diligently follow Jesus. But these instructions are specific to the Roman churches, but they're a helpful guide for us. They point to Jesus as the model of how to live with radical humility to serve all people, demonstrating how to love people in our church, within our church communities, and beyond. There are two main ways that Paul is challenging the church to show genuine love in the rest of our passage. The first one is for the common good. So verses 13 through 16 say, "'Share with the Lord's people who are in need. "'Practice hospitality. "'Bless those who persecute you. "'Bless and do not curse. "'Rejoice with those who rejoice "'and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another "'and do not be proud.'" But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So, what these verses guide us is to find ways to live for the common good for people around us. Our role as God's people is to help the people around us get a glimpse of God. A few weeks ago, a woman called the church asking if she could park in our parking lot. She became homeless through an unfortunate, unfortunate circumstances and needed a safe place to park until she found a place to live. She parked in our lot for just a couple of weeks, but a family in our church and the church through the Benevolence Fund found, gave her a little bit of financial support. It wasn't much, but it brought her to tears. Our willingness to show kindness to her in her time of need was a reminder to her that God, of God's kindness and God's care for her. So we were able to be part of her journey towards Shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. But it means a state of ordered tranquility that is the result of right relationships with God, the neighbor, and the whole of creation. So the next one is responding with love to evil. Verses 17 through 21 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. For if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So the Greco-Roman culture had a live and let live philosophy, and that value is a value we still encounter today. So refusing to take revenge and overcoming evil with good was countercultural then and now. And it's easy to love when you have harmonious relationships that are going well, but it can be really uncomfortable in times of turmoil. What about when Someone is constantly, like, cutting you down, or demeaning you, or saying mean things about you. Let me share an example. One day, a group of us went out to lunch to celebrate a birthday. The birthday person got to choose, so we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, It was a team favorite, and one of our teammates, let's say named Ken, um, ordered a salad as soon as the waitress left. My manager had asked him about ordering a salad and then called him candy. He was demeaning a person for ordering a salad by calling him a female and making, to make himself feel better. Ken had made it clear that the comment was offensive, but the conversation, and the conversation slowly moved on, but this type of comment was not an isolated incident. So, how would you respond as Ken? What would you say in that moment? Today's cultural language is rampant with cancel culture. If you say something offensive, the response often is, I'm going to cancel you. But instead of canceling people, we can lovingly correct them, we can be honest about the impact of their words, and we can seek to restore the relationship. People are watching us. People are looking for a better way to live out what our culture, live than what our culture is demonstrating. And we have that answer. We can only love this way integrated into a community that has been disciplined, commitment to genuine love, dependent on Jesus for strength in those tough moments. We need God's help to love some of the challenging people in our lives. We can't love if we're not honest with ourselves about when we fall short. And turning back to Jesus asking for help to live out that genuine love for those around us. So our small groups have had an amazing year and through them we've been able to strive in living out this genuine love as Paul has urged to have for each other. Here are some of the ways that we've lived this out. It starts with our small group leaders. They love and care for people and they are true shepherds in investing and supporting and serving all of you each week. None of it would be possible without them. But, and what we're seeing is our new visitors who are coming are looking for community and connection. And so our small groups have been a place to help people get connected and to build relationships. And our groups are doing a good job of integrating new people and beginning to build those friendships. One of the intentional ways that we grew in learning to love our unbelieving family and friends, last fall was through the Focus season, The Confident Witness. We raised our awareness and providing opportunities to practice building relationships and looking for open doors and spiritual conversations. From this series, people have been more intentional about inviting people and friends and neighbors to join our church and to come visit. And then also during this, focus fall, this fall focus season, we found a good rhythm and structure of growth. The groups grow gather to discuss the sermon and then they practice it and they they come back together and they debrief on the practices. It gives the groups a good opportunity to learn and to love each other through learning from one another. And in this past focus season, in the spring, we walked through practices that helped to build a stronger community anchored in Christ. One of the ways that we discussed building a community is through having meals together, that we continue to integrate this practice into small groups in different ways. And then next fall, our focus season will be centered on who we are as Wade Park Church. The household codes, like Roman 12s, were speaking to a group of people based on what was happening in their current culture and in their location. And so the board and staff have been using this statement to think about who we are as Wake Park Church. It is, we are the family of God, called and empowered by the Holy Spirit to give ourselves for the glory of God and for the sake of the world. So we will unpack this statement to understand what God is calling us to and into calling us into in this corner of Northeast Minneapolis, to love our community in distinct and beautiful ways, for God to be clearly seen through us, and at the end of the summer, watch for another opportunity to join one of our small groups. They're the best way that we have to help you grow in maturity in Christ. Paul challenges the Roman church and us to live genuine love through community, to produce transformation in us and to the communities around us. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we just praise you this morning. We praise you for all that you've done, for this incredible grace that you have poured out for us a love that you have that made you come and sacrifice your own life, your son, to die for us so that there would no longer be separation and that you could have a strong relationship with us, God. And we are just grateful for that, that that love is transformational. It changes us. So God, continue to let, help us to continue to let that truth and your love change us and transform us. God, it truly is your love that will change us and transform us, not in our effort, not from our own strength. It's from your power, not ours. But God, we don't want the love to just end with us in our community, in our church, even though we see you loving through one another in our church family. We wanted to continue to Northeast Minneapolis, to this corner, to our community, for people to see you, for those who are lost and hurting and lonely, that they would find community here, that they would find you and a relationship with you, that they would see that shalom, begin to get a glimpse of that shalom that that you are doing and you want to do through us. But God, that it would continue throughout the world and the missionaries that we support throughout the world um, and beyond. God, so we just are grateful for the ways that you are using us today and ask that you would continue to pour out your love in greater measure so that we can reflect you in greater measure. You are an incredible God and we love you so much. We pray all of this in your precious and glorious name. Amen.
1: You've been listening to the Wake Park Church Sermon Podcast from Wake Park Church in Northeast Minneapolis. We hope this week's sermon helped you learn to know
0: and love Jesus more and serve him in your unique place in the world. If you have feedback or questions, get in touch with us by emailing podcast
1: at wakeparkchurch.org.